You know, my message is called this morning is called Going Deeper. I, I was tempted during that worship song, okay, I'm going to rename this message, How to Make Your Light Shine Brighter. <laughs> Amen? Amen. Let, let's, let's, let's pray. Father God in heaven, thank you, Lord, for this time that we have together. Thank you, Lord, for the worship. Lord, let it be acceptable to you, God, because we praise you, we magnify you, and we adore you. And Lord, now as we get into your word, Father, let it sink deep as we study it verse by verse and hear straight from heaven. In Jesus' name I pray, Father. Amen. Amen. You may have a seat. And um, if you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. And uh, Rick and Paul will give you a Bible. We go chapter by chapter, verse by verse, through the scriptures. It's called expository teaching. And um, to me, in my life in the past 10 years, I, I first got exposed to Calvary Chapel in 2005-ish. And it was like I went there and I said, I found a home. I felt like I was drinking from a fire hydrant every Sunday, just getting into the word. It just it so enriched my life. I'm just very thankful for it. Um, but what I want to talk to you about this morning, it, it, my theme is going deeper. Going deeper in our relationship with God. Is there such a thing? Can you go deeper? You know, many people will pray to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They'll become a Christian, and they kind of stop right there. But the question we have to ask, is there more? And I'm here to proclaim to you this morning that yes, there is more. We can go deeper in our love for Jesus. We can go deeper in our commitment to him. We can go deeper in our commitment to, to walk in purity, to walk in holiness, to walk in integrity. And to live a life that's pleasing to him. That's the ultimate aim of the Christian life, is to glorify God and to live a life that's pleasing to him in response to this beautiful, glorious good news of the gospel. Now, what does this look like? Most Christians I meet, and I'm sure most of you in here would agree, that's your desire. If I asked you this morning, do you want to be more like Christ? Do you want to go deeper? I imagine in a room this big, this many people, most of you would say, yes. Yes, let's do it. So, let's do it. Let's look into his word. Turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. We're looking this morning at verses uh, 12 through 30. We're finishing up chapter 2. Philippians 2, verse 12. He says, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence he says here, look at this, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Uh-oh. Did if, A casual reading of that, a quick reading of that, you'd be like, oh, we got to work for our salvation. we got to work for salvation. Is that what Paul is saying here, that we have to work for our salvation? No, I see a lot of heads. You're right. No, it is not. He is not saying we work for our salvation. Look at it closely. He says, work out. That's the key word there. Work out your salvation. In other words, what the scripture is saying to us here is uh, live out what God has done on the inside. God has rescued you. He's given you a new heart. He, he's given you his Holy Spirit. And now he's saying, let what's, let what's happened on the inside of you manifest itself on the outside. That's where I get the phrase going deeper. Is we have this 
inside of us, the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us, and it should affect every way we live. We should, we should go deeper. But how do we go deeper according to the verse? Look at it. It says in verse 12, he says, these are pretty tough words here. He says, with fear and trembling. Now, let me give you some definitions here. He's not talking about being scared. He's not talking about being scared of God. If you are a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ, he is our Abba Father. What, what is being said here with, fear, with uh, when he says fear and trembling, he's talking about this. He's saying this, take your relationship with God serious. So my first principle to you this morning, to, if you want to go deeper, if you want to go deeper in your walk with Christ, take it serious. Take it very serious. The New English, the, the, yeah, the New English translation of, of the New Testament trans, uh, uses the phrase, um, work out your salvation with reverence and awe. And that is a very sharp definition if you look up the words, if you look up the definition of the words of, of the original language. It's, 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 it's take it, work it out with, with reverence and, and, and awe. In other words, let nothing be more important. This should be your number one goal in life, above your family, above your job, above your careers, is your relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, I've always in my life, I prioritize things by length, okay? I'm going to spend eternity in heaven. I'm going to spend eternity with Christ. So he is most important. And then in this life, my family's next. And then after my family, my work and my friends, it works its way down. But our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, being a Christian, should be of our utmost importance. We need to make a deep commitment to understand and grow. That's why we teach verse by verse through the scriptures at Calvary Chapel. Because we want you to grow. I want you to grow. I want you to do well in life. I want you to understand God. I want you to understand the gospel. I want, to, I want God to bless you in this life, but also in the life to come. And, and so we need to understand the gospel. We need to make it a priority according to verse 12. Look at verse 13. Um, he says, For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Basically what he's saying there is it's God's work. It's God's plan. It's, uh, it's God's sovereignty. God places this desire in us. Now, my favorite part of verse 13 is that it's right next to verse 12. And if you look back at verse 12, we have Paul the Arminian. We have the apostle, the Paul the Arminian. And what does Paul the Arminian say in verse 12? He says, Warren, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Jason, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. He's, saying, he's telling us that we have a part. We have a responsibility. But then when you get to verse 13, we have Paul the Calvinist. I love it. We have Paul the Calvinist. He says, it is God who is at work in you. In other words, it's God who places that desire in your heart to move forward. And we have to respond to that desire he gives us. And we have to live it out. We have to live it out. This is where... Sovereignty meets man's responsibility. This is where sovereignty meets man's responsibility. Some people will say, Pastor David, what are you? Are you a Calvinist? Are you an Arminian? I'm neither. 
I'm no disciple of John Calvin. I'm no disciple of Jacob Arminius. I'm a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you want to put a label on me, I'm cool with that too. Call me a, a Calminian. <laughs> Call me a Calminian. Because you see both of them in Scripture. One of my favorite teachers, John MacArthur, grace to you, out in Southern California. I love his commentary on, 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 on sovereignty and man's free will. And this is what John MacArthur says. He says, throughout the New Testament, there's these two parallel lines that run throughout the course of Scripture. One of them is God's sovereignty, and one of them is man's responsibility or man's free will. And you have to embrace them both because they're both, they're both in the Scripture. They're both in the Bible. So we see God's sovereignty in verse 13. It is God. God's doing it all, Paul. He's doing everything in your heart. But at the same time, verse 12, you're working things out. Praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord for that. He, he meets us where we're at. And he is, um, if, you, if you go out the door and you get one of our Calvary Chapel booklets, it'll say, are, you, are y'all Calvinist or Arminian? And in, in that block, I typed out, we are neither Calvinist nor Arminian. We firmly adhere and hold to the sovereignty of God. Okay? He is sovereign over the universe. He knows every little dot, jittle. He knows everything that's going to happen. He knows every kernel of dirt on, on, on planet Mars. He knows everything. But at the same time, man has a responsibility to respond to the gospel. Do you, do you, do you, find, that, do you find that hard to understand? Do you, do you struggle to understand that? To you, I say, welcome to the club. <laughs> welcome to the club. We're talking about God. We're talking about God. His ways are so much higher. But as we study his word and we put it all together, it gives us a solid view of our Lord God. Verse 14, verse 14, we're back to, back to our responsibility. He says, uh, do all things without grumbling or disputing. We have two choices. Amen and amen. You have two choices when confronted with God's truth. As you read your Bible, as you study your Bible, as you're challenged with biblical truth, you have two choices. One, you can say, yes, Lord. Be like Mary, like Mary said when she found out she was going to give birth to Jesus. She says, be it unto me according to your word, or we can grumble. We can grumble and dispute. The phrase here is the, the, these words that are used in verse 14 are very similar to the same words that were used in Exodus when, when the children of Israel were um, grumbling and complaining. And what happened to them because of their grumbling and complaining? They wandered. They wandered in the desert. And so do you and I. When we grumble and we complain and, and we fight against what the Lord is doing in our life, the same thing will happen to us. We will wander in the desert. But when, when we say, yes, Lord, I see in your word it tells me to flee from immorality. Yes, Lord. I see in your word it says to walk in love. Yes, Lord. When I see in your word to walk in integrity, we say, yes, Lord. That is going deeper and not grumbling and complaining Verse 15, verse 15, we have our second principle for diving deep into the Lord. Verse 15, so that you will prove yourself to be blameless and innocent children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you, is, among whom you appear as lights in the world. My second principle I present to you this morning for going deeper is we've got to live a life above reproach. We've got to live a life above reproach, uh, a.k.a. obey God. Obey God. 
We, we obey the Lord. We obey his word. We obey it over man. We obey it over tradition. We follow what he says in his word. And we obey it. We refuse to compromise. We refuse to compromise. We walk in purity. We guard our hearts. We protect our mind. When the Bible says flee from sexual immorality, we do it. As I said a while ago, when the Bible says walk in integrity, we, we do it. We live above reproach. Why? Because the world is watching. The world is watching us. They know that if, if they know you're a Christian, they're watching you to see how you act, see how you live, to see how you talk. We, and then it says, um, it says to, we, we live above reproach ultimately because we are living epistles. We are living epistles. We are, as a song we sang a while ago, we are light in the world. Not in and of ourselves, but because the Holy Spirit is in us. He makes us the light of the world. And then it says we live in a crooked and perverse generation. Guys, we don't live in a, a bad culture. We live in a wicked culture. We live in a fallen world. And some of the stuff that I'm seeing today is, is breaking my heart. It hurts to see where our country's going. With the abortion laws that they're passing in New York and, and trying to pass in Virginia, to just society, it's like, like I've never seen before. There's this hard-heartedness. Part of the divide over the political divides but, but let me say this, though. These issues on morality and spirituality, they're not a political issue. They are not a political issue. They are a heart issue. They are a heart issue. And that's where we just got to speak the truth in love and, and, and just be a witness and be a light. And we, and we become a light by going deeper, by going deeper in the word. Look at verse um, 16. Um, so, so you, so we, the first one was, um, we take our walk with Christ serious. Second one is we live above reproach. Here's the third principle in verse 16. He says, holding fast the word of life so that in the day of Christ, I will have reason to glory because I did not run in vain nor toil in vain. Three things here. First one is the principle we see in verse 16, and that is this. We hold fast to the word of life. There's two interpretations of this. I like them both. I agree with both of them. One is the, uh, the word of life is the Bible. It's scripture. Uh, is the scripture, specifically the New Testament and the gospel. And to that, I say amen. It's, it's, it's scripture. But also the word of life. Jesus is referred to as the word of life in 1 John 1.1. He says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The word of life is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is Jesus himself that we hold fast to. We, we hold fast to Jesus in our relationship with him. We hold fast um, to the gospel. That's how we go deeper. That's how we go deeper when we cling to our salvation and we cling to the scriptures that teach us about the salvation. Then he says, holding fast the word of life. And here we go. He says next, so that in the day of Christ, how long do we hold fast? Till the rapture of the church. 1 Thessalonians 4.16 says, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven. Jesus Christ will split that eastern sky. And he's not coming as a baby in a manger. He's coming to take his church home. 
And that's what, that's our next prophetic event on God's calendar is the rapture of the church. That's, that's the, we call it the, the blessed hope. But that's what we're, we're holding fast. And how do you get to participate in the rapture? How do you get to, to be one of those that Christ takes to heaven? By, by trusting in Christ. By being a believer. That's how we do it. He says, so that in the day of Christ, I believe it's a reference to the rapture. He says in verse 16, I will have reason to glory because I did not run in vain nor toil in vain. Two things here. You run in vain, you toil in vain when you take your eyes off Jesus. When you take your eyes off Christ, you, you, you run in vain, you, you toil in vain. When, when, you, when you get away from the Bible, when you, when you get away from the gospel, the New Testament, the New Testament, the whole entire New Testament is, is God's word, it's the gospel, it's, the, it's God's word to us of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So it's not just the four gospels, but it's the entire uh, New Testament. We, we, when we get away from the Bible, we start to run in vain. Because then we start coming up with all of our crazy ideas and our thoughts and our ways. And our thoughts and our ways are not his ways. The, we have to go by his word. That's why we, that's why we teach it. Because I want you to grow. And I want you to be prepared for that blessed hope, that rapture. It could happen before I end this message. It could happen today. It could happen this week. No man knows the day nor the hour. But we need to be ready. And we're ready with the gospel. This is how you run the race, guys. What we're diving into right now in Philippians chapter 2, this is how you run the race. Some of you guys are struggling. Some of you guys are going through difficult situations because of your family. I understand it and I feel it. I really do. But this is how you win the battle. This is how you win the race. Stay focused. Stay sharp. Stay prepared. Stay ready. Hold, verse 16, circle it if you hadn't already. You hold fast to the word of life. Jesus himself and his word. Amen? Verse 17, he says, But even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and I share my joy with you all. This is huge. As I studied this and went back and looked at the drink offering in the Old Testament, how they would pour the drink offering over the sacrifice and over the altar, this is just amazing. This is amazing. Like I said, just, as I just said, part of the Old Testament sacrifice was that they poured the drink offering over the sacrifice. And now the Apostle Paul is saying in the New Testament, I'm going to pour myself out for you. Uh, you, the church at Philippi, I'm going to pour myself out for your service. I'm going to pour myself out for your faith. I'm going to give everything I've got to build you up. That Paul's in chains. Paul's in a prison in Rome. This is Acts chapter 29, the, the, the chapter after the last chapter of Acts. He's in prison, and he says, I'm not focused on myself. I'm going to focus on you, Philippi. I want to focus, I want to build you up. And so the fourth principle for going deeper this morning is to pour yourself out in devotion to Christ and to service for Christ. Pour yourselves out. Give it all. Sink or swim, jump in. Go for it. Dive in. He'll meet you there. And he'll use you mightily. He'll do great things. 
when you surrender. His sovereignty says, come away. Let's do this thing. And your free will says, yes, Lord, I'll do it. And I'm diving in. Amen. He conti- I, I love, um, verse 18 is a very um, cementing verse on verse 17. So Paul has just laid out, he says, okay, I'm being poured out as a drink offering for, you, for the church at Philippi. I'm being poured out for your service. I'm being poured out for your faith. I'm going deeper is what he's saying. Now look at verse 18. You too, I urge you, rejoice in the same way. That's important there. Rejoice in the same way and share your joy with me. What is Paul saying there? What he's saying here in this verse is this this diving in, this going deep, this... uh, Going all out for Christ is not just for preachers. Paul is telling the church at Philippi, hey, this ain't just for me, Epaphroditus and Timothy. This is for you all too. This is for, basically verse 18 in, in this text here is saying everything that we've just talked about is for all believers. It's for, it's for all Christians to dive in, to, to go deeper. It's not just, it's, and, and I say that to you this morning. God's plan, God's desire God's invitation to you is to dive in and go deeper. Go deeper in, not deeper in religion, not deeper in tradition, but deeper in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. Deeper in service to Christ. That's where he wants us to go. And it will be an overwhelming joy. Ministry is is not a a burden. It can be difficult at times. But it's a joy when you get to pour yourselves out for other people. It's a beautiful thing. It's the ultimate demonstration of love. It's the ultimate demonstration of love for Christ when we pour ourselves out for one another. When we see a brother or a sister struggling and we go and we help them. And we say, you know what, I don't care what you're going through. Thick or thin, I'm going to help you out. I'm going to pour myself out to help you um, grow in your relationship with Christ. Amen? So it's not just for preachers. It's for all people. Now, verses 19 and through 30, the Apostle Paul is going to give us two examples. He's going to give us two examples. And these examples is, for, is, 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 is an example for all of us. It's, this is an, these, these are two examples. God sovereignly put this in here about Timothy and Epaphroditus to give us two examples of people that go deeper. And to you, this, to you this morning, I would say, every believer needs believers around them that will go deeper. A- each and every one of us needs a Timothy and needs an Epaphroditus. Let's take a look at it. Verse 19, he says, But I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, so that I also may be encouraged when I learn of your condition. The name Timothy, it means one honored one, one who honors God. That's what Timothy's name means. You know, we want to be people that are known for honoring the Lord in our life. Just like Timothy was. Verse 20, he says, for I have, I'm, I'm, I'm going to read down to verse 24 and then we're going to talk about Timothy. Verse 20, he says, for I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. For they all seek after their own interests, not those of Christ Jesus. 
but you know of his proven worth that he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father. Therefore, I hope to send him immediately as soon as I see how things go with me. And I trust in the Lord that I myself also will be coming shortly. So the first half, verses 19 through 24, Paul is talking about Timothy. And the first thing he says in verse 20, he says, no one else has a kindred spirit. What does a kindred spirit mean? It means you're, you're like-minded. You're like-minded and, and you're unified. And we all need that. We all need that in our Christian world. We need other brothers or sisters who are like-minded and who are unified together with us. Because life does this curveball sometimes. Life can be difficult. As I said a while ago, ministry can be challenging. But when you have a Timothy by your side, oh man, it makes life great. It makes life great. And also you could say, this is what we desire to be. So as we're going through these and looking at Timothy and Epaphroditus, say, Lord, help me to be this way. Help, help me to be like Timothy. Help me to be like Epap. That's Epaphroditus. Verse 21, he says, uh, talking about Timothy, for they all seek after their own interest, but not those of Christ Jesus. The next thing he points out about Timothy is Timothy's focus was not on himself, but his focus was on people. His focus is on people. And that's what ministry is all about. Ministry, when you, when you want to serve, is, is when you want to take yourself and pour yourself out as a drink offering into someone else's life. We put other people first. Whose example are we following? Christ. What did Christ do in his earthly ministry? He placed his disciples before himself. He served them. I think about the one where he washed their feet. And it says, he took, it says he took his sash, his towel, and cleaned their feet. He took their dirt off those dirty, stinky feet and cleaned them and took it upon himself. He served them greatly. He placed them first. His, his focus was on them, and our focus should be on people and building the kingdom. People say, well, it's not about numbers. Well, I say it is. It is about numbers. But it's, it's about numbers as long as you're preaching the gospel. And as long as you're making disciples, and as long as you're feeding the sheep, it is about, it can be about numbers. The, the book of Acts, it tells us 4,000 were saved on this day, 5,000 were saved on this day. As long as there's meat, and as long as disciples are being made, man, let's reach as many people as we can with the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are people that live in our communities that are broken, that are downtrodden. Life's throwing them a curveball. And we just want to pour Christ into them. And we just want to restore their lives. And let, let Christ restore their lives through our ministry to them. But let's do that. Let's pour ourselves into them. Then he says uh, in verse 22, um, this is concerning Timothy. But you know of his proven worth that he, here it is, that he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father. We see two things in verse 22 between um, Timothy and Paul, we see one, their partnership, their partnership. Paul saw Timothy as a co-laborer, as a, as a partner with him in the gospel, but it also says he served with me like a son. So what do we see? We see the mentorship. We see the mentoring that Paul did for, for Timothy. And in ministry today, that should, it should be equal. We should work together. We should serve together. But at the same time, there should be a component of mentoring of raising godly men up, of raising 
godly women up in ministry. This is what it looks like to go deeper. This is it, guys. The scripture, the scripture's own illustrations of what we see in the life of Timothy and what we see in the life of Epaphroditus. Okay, let's um, look down at verse 25. Let's look at Epaphroditus. He says here, um, But I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger and minister to my needs, because he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed he was sick to the point of death, but God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore I have sent him all the more eagerly, so that when you see him again, you may rejoice, and I may be less concerned about you. Receive him then in the Lord with all joy, and hold men like him in high regard, because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what it was deficient in his service to me. What do we see here in Epaphroditus' life? Paul's illustration of Epaphroditus, Epap, going deep. What, what does it show us? Go back and look at um, the, the, the greatest thing that we see in, in Epaphroditus going deeper is found in verse 25. Well, first off, Epaphroditus, the name, it means lovely and devoted. It means Epaphroditus, that name, it means lovely and devoted. When you look at Epaphroditus' name and Timothy's name, Epaphroditus, lovely and devoted in one who honors God. When you, when, you, when you get a hold of this, and you get this in your life, and you start walking in these principles and walking in these truths, you're going to do great things for the Lord. When you live a life where you honor God, and you're lovely and devoted. Let me tell you, sometimes, especially when, when you're reaching out to people, people care more about your love and your care and your concern than what you believe. Okay? That's just the world we live in. People care about your heart and your attitude before they'll listen to your doctrine and your theology. So we have to be careful to be lovely and devoted and to be caring in our presentation and open the heart, open their heart, open the friendship, open the way, and then we can go in and share the gospel. But we need to be lovely and devoted. So talking about Epaphroditus, look at verse 25. He says, but I thought it was necessary to send to you Epaphroditus. Oh, I love this. Look at, look at how Paul describes Epaphroditus. First he says, my brother, my brother. Do you, do you, this is family between Epaphroditus and Paul. This is family. You know, we care about our families. Our family is one of our closest, our, our, our physical family is, is our closest, most intimate people we know. But also our spiritual family. Our spiritual family here within the body of Christ. Your other Christian friends. Those friendships should go on and on and on because we are family. We are family because we're believers in Jesus Christ. We're going to spend eternity together. What an amazing thing. Then he says, uh, my fellow brother, and then he says, my fellow worker, my fellow worker. Epaphroditus, he served Christ, he served Paul, he worked in the kingdom, and he built the kingdom. So there's work to be done. There's work to be done in the gospel. And Epaphroditus, 
exhibited that in his faithful commitment, even to the point of death. He almost lost his life. He almost lost his life. Now, that's, you know, when, when death comes knocking on the door, we run. Or when there's serious danger, we run. But Epaphroditus, he almost lost his life for the cause of Christ. He even became deathly ill. And the next one there, he says, uh, talking about Epaphroditus, he's an example of a man going deeper. He says, and he's a fellow soldier. He's a fellow soldier. As the body of Christ, we fight the good fight together. Amen? We fight the good fight together. Don't go at the battle alone. You're facing a difficult situation. You're facing a difficult trial. You're trusting in God to do a miraculous work. Share it with your sister in Christ. Share it with your brother in Christ who knows you intimately and who can join in the fight and be a good soldier. Not physically fighting. I don't want to see no scrapping out back now. But, but, but spiritual warfare on their knees. That's how we, that's, that's what made, that's what Paul here describes Epaphroditus as. And, and this wasn't just a, um, a legalistic, okay, you're a Christian, we got to serve together. Okay, fine. Let's, let's go do Bible study tonight and let's go do this and let's go do this ministry and then I'll see you next week. No, Paul had a deep, deep, deep love for Epaphroditus. Look at verse, look at verse 27. <clears throat> It's the last three words of the verse to indicate this. In verse 27, he says, For indeed, he was sick to the point of death. Talking about Epap. He says, But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. Paul says, God has shown mercy to Epap, and I love Epaphroditus so much that he's shown me mercy because I can't go at this alone without him. So we see Paul's deep love and kindred spirit for Epap. That same love we should exhibit in our life. Family, friends, this is what I present to you this morning from this scripture. Go home. Meditate on it, study it, but going deeper according to these verses is one, you got to take it serious. You got to take the bulls by the horn. You got to say, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to be at Bible study. I'm going to be in fellowship. I'm going to read my word. I'm going to spend time in prayer. And, and Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pursue you with all my heart. The scripture says, if we draw nigh to God, what will He do? He'll draw nigh to us. We live a life above reproach. You know, the Bible says, without holiness, no one will see God. God has rules. God has rules, and he has expectations of believers when it comes to our integrity, when it comes to our purity, and we need to live a life above reproach. Now, he, he, if, if you've blown it, bring it to his throne of grace. You know, repent, confess it, 1 John 1, 9, and get on the right path, and then, and then commit to living a life above reproach. May, declare an all-out war on the things that you're battling against. If you're struggling with, with, with pornography or, or, or sexual sins or, or maybe you have a difficult time telling the truth and you find yourself telling lies, declare an all-out war, and I'm going to do whatever it takes so that I can live a life above reproach. There's, there's this soldier in you. There's this fight in you. 
that you got to say, you know what, I'm not going to do it no more. I'm not going to do it no more. And, Lord, with your help, by me spending time in your word, spending time in prayer, spending time in worship, spending time in fellowship, I am going to conquer the sin that I battle with. The third one, we hold fast to the gospel. Hold fast to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't hold fast to me. Don't hold fast to Calvary Chapel. Don't hold fast to your traditions. Don't hold fast to your denominations. Hold fast to Jesus, the great I am, and his gospel. Hold fast to it. And finally, pour yourself out in devotion and service to Christ, just like Epaphroditus did, just like uh, Timothy did. Pour yourself out in devotion and service to Christ. Um, Go home, pray, and say, Lord, where do you want me to serve? And wait for, his, wait for his answer. Wait for his answer. Search his word. Search your heart. You know, I have found a lot of times in my life, early on when I was serving the Lord and I was trying to find out where, where my gifting was, where my calling was, a lot of times God spoke through friends. Because, <laughs> you know, we don't want to see it in ourselves. Oh, no, Lord, I can never do that. I can't do that. I can't go there. But a lot of times God will speak through his word and he'll speak prophetically through friends on where to serve. Amen? Let's pray. Father God in heaven, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Father, for um, that you, you invite us this morning through your, through your word to go deeper, to go deeper in our walk with you, Lord, to take you serious, and Lord, to, to enjoy you, God. This, this is a blessing. This is a joy, Father, that we've entered into in this relationship with you. So, Lord, just uh, encourage us, strengthen us, and embolden us to say, Lord, I'm going to take the next step. I'm going to move towards you. I'm going to take a step towards you and embrace what your word says. In Jesus' name we pray, Father. Amen. Amen.